0: Please be seated. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Last week we began a series that I have titled Wise Men Give Gifts. We began last week looking at 2 Corinthians 8, where we are reminded that Christ, though being God, through his willingness to become impoverished, he has enriched us. He is God's gift to us, and we are enriched in him. This morning we begin a series of ways in which we look at Christmas and what we ought to be considering, ways that we can give to Jesus to celebrate his birthday. But it's very intentional that we begin with God's gift to us, because it's important that we realize when we give gifts to God, we are not earning his favor, we are not deserving it. We give gifts in response to the gift that has been given to us we can never repay, we can never uh, deserve. We simply give as an expression of love and of gratitude. Grace always begins, and our gifts simply help us to understand that we have been enriched in Jesus. Our focus this morning will be in verse 11, is the key verse for this series, but for the context, I want to read the very familiar words, beginning in verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1, hear the word of God. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May the Lord bless us and give us understanding from his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we pray now that you would open our hearts. These are very familiar words for a very familiar story. And yet these, we, are, we grow dull. And That which we have known, we easily forget. That which is true, we easily add to. And even what we have known is as nothing compared to the riches of the truth that are wrapped in the person of Jesus, born to be given to us. Father, I pray that as we consider these words and we consider uh, your gift to us in Jesus, that our eyes would be open to how great your love is for us, that there would be no question. I pray that we would continually, each day of our lives, grow in that. And I pray that now, by your Spirit impressing upon us the truth of your word, that we might grow a little more in understanding of the great richness of your love for us. Father, bless us that we may bless you and bless those who are around us. We pray in the name of Christ, who is the Word incarnated. Amen. It does not take a lot of convincing to keep me away from Walmart or any malls this time of year. I've seen the videos, usually on Black Friday with elbows thrown that would make a hockey player proud and punches, people fighting, even gunfights that come out. And frankly, the little old ladies in those videos scare me, so I don't go anywhere near those stores. So I prefer to shop online where I'm safe and away from the hostile crowds. And I suspect that I'm not the only one here who would prefer to stay away from the crowds, whatever the reasons, whether fear of physical harm or just, uh, it just is a, it's just a jungle out there. But even as I suspect that I'm sure that there are some who would prefer to shop at home, I also suspect that I'm not the only one in this room who has not yet finished the, their shopping for the people in their lives. I suspect I'm probably not the only one in this room who hasn't actually started the giving, uh, shopping for people in their lives. Um, We won't ask for a survey of who those people are. And there's a number of reasons. Busyness catches up with us. We still have time, there's still time to come. And then some of you who are more conscientious may just simply be stuck. You just don't wanna give that same old thing, either that everybody gives to the people uh, this year, or the same old thing that you've been giving for year after year to the people who are around And So you want to come up with something that is more meaningful, something perhaps a little more creative. So I've come this morning to give you some help. I've uh, been looking online and finding some things, and found some things, some this year, some over the years, that I've made a note of that may be suggestions and appropriate for somebody uh, that you love, somebody that is in your life. We'll begin with the FAO Schwartz Catalog. A few years ago, I, I noticed that there was a neat little train that I've always thought would look nice around our tree track running around the train, and here's the details of that train. It's an actual HO gauge model railroad with an engine that pulls two cars and a caboose. The train is plated with gold. Inside the first cargo car are chipped diamonds. The second car is hauling rubies. In my notes that I wrote, told me that I, you can pick up this little choo-choo for a mere $215,000. But the last I looked, they must have had a run on them because there weren't any in stock in this year's catalog. Now, $215,000 just for an ornament for a Christmas tree, that's probably out of most of your price ranges. I realize that, so that would be really foolish. So let me give you some other suggestions, particularly for kids, because you don't want to give a kid a, a train that's gold and, ca- calling jewels. So I found one that might be appropriate for a boy and girl, at the risk of being sexist, either I guess they could go either way, but particularly the, uh, the, the first one, uh, is a, a Hummer Jr. replica. The Hummer Jr. is a two-thirds scale vehicle of the original 1979 Humvee that has been employed by our military and by many others. It, is a safe, it, it has a safe platform for young and old alike. Powered by a seven horsepower gasoline motor that starts with a key, the Humvee has forward and reverse gears, working headlights, horn and seatbelt, roll bar, turn signals, and a remote engine control switch. This switch can activate the horn to alert your child driver and also can turn off the engine within a 300 foot range. This vehicle all, uh, features an auxiliary brake pedal on the passenger side for training purposes. And the good news is the batteries are included. And this can be yours for your child for a mere $15,000. But the bad note is that it comes directly from the factory, and so you need to give them three weeks for delivery, so you will be a little bit late if you're going to be ordering one today. Now, for if your daughter is not really into the, that kind of stuff, uh, I did see that there was a dollhouse that was to be auctioned by Sotheby's. Here's the note, a dollhouse donated by a 10-year-old child and decorated by seven New York interior designers will be among offerings at an annual art and antiques auction at the Irvington Institute for Medical Research at Sotheby's. The six-room dollhouse, a southern colonial frame house with a porch, measures 40 inches wide, 16 inches deep, 28 inches high. It has become an exquisitely detailed showcase for seven decorating styles. Each room has been given a name. On the southern comfort porch, designed by Charlotte Moss, are, t- is a, are a tiny copy of Gone with the Wind, a pair of reading glasses, a chaise lounge, and a lemonade pitcher. The yellow dining room by Stephanie Stokes has sterling flatware, crystal glasses, a chandelier, and a doll wearing a green satin evening dress by Anna Poma and Cartier gold necklace. In the dressing room, Justin Baxter's theme, After the Ball, is accented by an Albert Capraro pink silk dress flung over a screen, a miniature playbill from Phantom of the Opera, and a vase filled with real miniature pink roses with inch-and-a-half stems. Almost every dollhouse is functional. uh, Everything in the dollhouse is functional. Doors open, lamps light, even the jack-in-the-box in the the Victorian nursery pops up. The nursery designed by Barbara uh, Epifanio of Mark Hampton Incorporated also has a rocking horse, white wickered furniture, and dolls made in England. John Stadelli's Venetian Library has a fireplace of false marble, a harp, and a Christmas tree with plenty of presents. The trellis bedroom by Cindy Stebbins of Noel Jeffrey is draped in luxurious cream colored satin. Ronald Grimaldi of Rose Coming uh, found floral upholstered chairs. Uh, found floral poster chairs and Tiffany-styled lamp for the Victorian parlor. Auctioneers expect the dollhouse to sell for somewhere between $12,000 and $15,000, but they say that even at this price, it's a steal. So if your little girl is not looking for something. So. You now I get, again, that may not be in your budget this year, and so I don't want you to feel bad. There are a couple of other more reasonable things that uh, won't, the descriptions aren't quite as elaborate. One is the, a, uh, a crystal Pez dispenser set, set of four, for merely $175. So you have not just the Pez and candy, but you can get your candy in fashion because it's out of pure crystal. Now, you also have a gold-plated slinky for every child. That one, That goes for a mere $100. Not just the cheap slinky that you can get, not the plastic ripoffs that they, they give. This one is made of gold. You take them to the store. The escalator. Have fun for years to come. There are a number of gifts for a number of people at a number of different prices. If you look hard enough, you can find almost anything. But the primary question we need to ask ourselves is, what is it that we get the one whose birthday it is that we actually celebrate? I mean, party favors are reasonable. Anybody who throws an elaborate party usually the people who come and celebrate they get something, and they go away. And that's nice. It's a nice, those are parts of a nice party. But it just somehow seems inappropriate to have a party where everybody gets a gift except for the one whose birthday we're celebrating. I'm not an etiquette expert, but I, I suspect it violates some etiquette somewhere. I mean, that's, there's got to there's be a rule somewhere written that if you're coming to a birthday party, you should at least honor the one whose birthday. And that's why this passage came to mind and is particularly significant for us this morning. For these magi from the east traveled a great distance and really uh, over a long period of time uh, scholars believe that it probably they were traveling somewhere between a year and a half to two years before they finally found Jesus who obviously was no longer an infant at that point in time he would have been toddler Jesus at that point by the time they came and they saw him with his mother or they had been traveling for a couple of years prior to the to his birth, depending on what time they left. But they came and they brought three gifts, three gifts, gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh, three gifts that God, for whatever his reasons, has decided to record for all generations after to, to not only to remember and to sing about, but to ponder and to, and to, to think about. And the question that I, I guess that I, I wonder is, why these three gifts, and, and how might that apply to us today? And I would suggest to you that the reason for these three gifts is because they were inspired gifts. They reflected Jesus, who was the, bo- the, the child who was born. In the Old Testament, we see that we, over and over again, there's a theme of three offices. There's a prophet, there's a priest, there is a king. And no man was allowed to possess all three or hold all three offices. There were occasionally men who were able to be one, and another, but others were, everybody was limited primarily to one. And if you were to try to assume another office, it caused significant issues. If you are a student of the Old Testament, you might realize Saul, who was raised up as the first king of Israel, who was exercising, obviously, the office of a king, when he didn't try to assume the, role, uh, the, the, the office, but simply participate in the role of the priest that's what undid his entire kingship. God said no one except for the Messiah is going to hold these roles. And so Saul, because he presumed and disobeyed God, he lost his entire kingdom simply because he functioned as a priest. The three offices reflect and revealed the coming of the Messiah. And these three gifts that the wise men brought, I suggest to you, represent the three offices. Gold for a mighty king, incense for a ministering priest, and myrrh for a martyred prophet. These all were a reflection of Christ. They were appropriate for Jesus then and they're appropriate for Jesus now. So for the next couple of weeks today and for the next two weeks, I want to look at each of these gifts as the appropriate way for us to be giving to God. Obviously, I'll be looking somewhat metaphorically, but nevertheless, to encourage us in thinking of what we may give to Jesus during this season. We begin this morning with gold. I know the bulletin says incense. I made a change a few weeks ago, and we didn't bump things forward. So uh, we'll, go with, uh, we'll go with the gold this morning, and we'll pick up with the incense next week. But I want to encourage you and all of us to consider giving Jesus the gift of gold this Christmas. The reason I suggest to give the gift of gold is because it is appropriate. As I mentioned, it symbolizes, reflects him as, as the prophet, priest, and king, as the one who holds all of those together. It's an appropriate gift for him. It reflects him not only in that, but gold is an appropriate metal for the monarchy. Kings all over the world are into, into gold. They send their people out to collect gold. They try to find ways to accumulate gold. People go to, they go to war in order to take gold from other nations. Kings like their gold, and so gold is often associated with monarchy, and Jesus was the king of kings. He was born to be king over all of the kings, and so it's appropriate for him in that way. But Gold is not only the metal of the monarchy, gold is also metal of the deity. In the Bible, gold often is reflective of God. We see it even in his gift to Israel in the in the, in the tabernacle through the Ark of the Covenant, a tool, a piece of furniture that was an important element of worship, but it was also something that was to point them to and was symbolic of the coming of Christ. The Ark of the Covenant was a box that was made out of wood, particularly made out of acacia. And scholars would say that wood, often in the Old Testament, has represents man. It may be sturdy and it may be strong, but it does rot. That would be us. It is also temporary and it can be burned up. But the Ark of the Covenant that was made of wood also was covered in gold, and gold is a is symbolic of deity. And in the the Ark of the Covenant, which points to Christ, there we see something of Jesus, because Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time. Scholars, if you want the big word, it's the hypostatic union. You can bring that up in conversation around the coffee pot sometime this week or at your Christmas parties. But the hypostatic union means that Jesus was fully man and fully God. And even the gift that was given uh, to Israel to point to the coming of the Messiah that was the Ark of the Covenant points to those two natures being wrapped up in, in one. Gold it reflects Jesus because it is appropriate for a king. It is also appropriate for a deity. And so... Giving a gift of gold is appropriate for Jesus because it's it reflective of him. Gold is also appreciated by him. That's one of the marks of, of a gift. And it's important that the gift that you give is one that would be appreciated. That's how, that's how you know. It's interesting as, the, as I, I've learned that the number one shopping day in America is not actually the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's the day after Christmas when people take all the gifts they got back to the store and exchange them for something that they actually wanted. There's more commerce that takes place on that day, more exchange the day after. So when you give a gift, you want to make sure that you're giving a gift that is actually going to be appreciated that somebody's going to want. And gold is a gift that we know that Jesus is going to receive. because We know that it's something that he will appreciate. We know that in one sense because if you look in the book of Revelation, in chapter 4, elsewhere as well, but in chapter 4, you see that the heavenly beings are laying down before the king, before the throne, and then laying down before him golden crowns, which the Lord then receives and receives and keeps. We, we know that the mark of a gift that is appreciated, is, well, the simplest mark of an appreciated gift is it's received and it's kept. Uh, that would be, as you give gifts, if they keep it, they probably appreciated it. Well, giving a gift of gold to Jesus is one that we know that he will receive because he shows us that, the gift of gold has been received over and over again. Never has he rejected that. So giving a gift of gold is appropriate. Now, even if if you're with me still, you're probably thinking, well, great. Even if I had any gold, how am I going to get it to him? I mean, I don't know that UPS is going to ship it up to heaven. How do I give the gift of gold? And the answer is very simply by faith. By faith, we express it in some very practical ways. And so I want to just touch on some very practical instructions from the Scripture that you may consider uh, giving to Jesus during this Christmas season. One way of giving gold gold to Jesus is simply through your finances. We see in in this particular passage, they went and actually gave him gold, tangible gold, something of value, something that was traded, something that was a commodity, something that was exchanged. Uh, Everywhere gold has been, it is valued, and it is, a, it is used as tender, as, as money. It's the way things are, 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 are given. And you may not have gold in your portfolio, but you do have finances that God has entrusted you with. And one way that we can give, at least metaphorically, gold, is by giving that which is valuable to us and valuable around us and giving that to him. God has instituted a practice called the tithe. And now I know that many in the church and evangelical churches object to that, that ugly short word, because it sounds so legalistic, so much of the law. And we're not under law, we're under the grace. And if that's where you're wrestling with, if that's what your mindset is, and that would be your objection to giving, to, uh, giving your gold or giving your finances to Christ, I, I want to just have you consider a couple things. In one sense, if you're saying that the, the tithe is just an Old Testament concept and we, we live a New Testament faith, I, I want to suggest you're right in one sense. But when you suggest that it's a law and it's legal and that the tithe has no bearing on us because it's the law, we need to realize that the tithe actually precedes the law. We see the first evidence of giving of a tithe to the only one in the scriptures other than Jesus who was actually a prophet, a priest, and a king, a man named Melchizedek, who most scholars believe was actually the pre-incarnate Jesus who came and received from Abraham the tithe There's the word, a tenth of all that Abraham had. and He received it along with worship, which was an indication that he was God. And so it precedes the law. It's not just the law, but it does, I will agree with you, it does somehow seem kind of a a law type thing. Most of the instructions and most of the warnings appeal to the law and and things of the law. And and for those who are hesitant and just believe, you know, we're now under grace, we're not under the law, I I would concur with you there, but we need to consider what that means. That can't just be a cheap excuse to not have to deal with our uh, giving anything to God. But as I read the Apostle Paul, he seems to summarize the New Testament standard of giving as this. The Old Testament, the law, is 10%. Paul says, you who have received grace, who are no longer under the law, you give whatever you think your salvation is worth. I can hear people from time to time saying, hmm, 10% doesn't sound that bad. The reality is, as Americans, we, American evangelicals, the average American evangelical gives only 2.5%. One way that you are able to give to Jesus is to actually commit yourself to giving your finances, getting your finances in godly order and giving to God what belongs to God in the first place. It's a gift that you're able to give to him in that way. One of the reasons that I said that is because the gift of the tithe is actually a standard. It's a gift that God gave to you first and he gave to me first. Because it is a gift that he's given so that we can actually measure our own spiritual heart, our heart, our own spiritual um, level, not because of the dollars that we give, but because of the attitude through which we do give. See, over and over again in the scripture, when we are told to give, we're not told just to meet a certain standard. We're told that we are to give and delight in it. I understand the reason most people don't tithe is they just say, well, I don't delight in that. The question we need to then ask is, why not? See, the whole purpose of the tithe is also for us to just see how hard it is for me and for you to just trust that God's going to provide for us and to see how easily we love other things more than we love God. And So we have an opportunity to take the gift that God has given to us, to see where we are, to use it the way it's intended, and to see where we are spiritually. In so doing, we give a gift to God. We give a gift uh, to God of ourselves and ultimately of getting our lives in order. Another thing I would suggest to you, not only through finances can we give a gift gift of gold, but through faith itself. 1 Peter 1 says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials, so that tested by genuineness of your faith which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it is refined by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so this passage is saying to us that your faith is actually more precious than gold in God's eyes. should be in ours as well. It's not saying faith is gold. It's saying it's more precious. It's likened to gold and saying it's more valuable because gold, even though it's refined by fire, eventually goes away. Faith endures. The gift that God has given to you endures. So you can give a gift of faith to God, and that sounds good, but then we ask ourselves, how? We don't just sit here and say, believe, believe, and then convince yourself to believe. How do we actually give a gift of faith? The answer to that is by cultivating your faith, by growing in your faith, by deepening in your faith, and that happens in a number of ways that God has also prescribed so that we may grow in it. He calls them the means of grace. When we look to God's Word and we understand more of who Christ is and we grow deeper in our understanding of how high and wide and long and deep is God's love for us in Christ, we understand the nature of God, what happens is we respond by believing, faith. We spend time in fellowship with God and praying, not just for our laundry list and for the, things, the litany of things that we want, but just communing with God, the power of His Holy Spirit, who is the one who gave us the gift of faith in the first place, cultivates and stimulates faith. It deepens and it grows. We avail ourselves of the the sacraments and come to this table when it is offered and eat and drink and remember what Jesus has done. We are told that we are feeding on Christ and we are partaking and God has promised that through coming to the table in faith, we grow, our faith is strengthened, it is nurtured. One way that you can give a gift of faith, a gift of gold, is by deepening your faith, which is in God, delighting in Him as you realize how much He's loved you. In doing that, God says, this is a delight for me, this is a gift. A third way you can do this is through fellowship. In Revelation 1, I won't turn there, but there is a picture of John's vision of what is taking place in heaven. And one of the visions that John has, he sees seven golden lampstands, and these lampstands reflect the individual churches that he is about to write letters to. But corporately or collectively, they represent Christ's church as a whole. The gold represents the church. The church is composed of all of God's people that he has called from every place on earth, every generation. It is just the full congregation of the elect. And John says in that vision, in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, is one as the Son of Man. Jesus is in the midst of his church, in the fellowship of his people. And so one way that you can give a gift to Jesus for his birthday, for Christmas, is simply through fellowship, not just in this church, but in any place where Christ is honored and celebrated, where God's people are gathered. Jesus' prayer for his people is they would be one, as he and the Father are one, and so that we are gathered together and are one. And in addition to that, Jesus is, according to John's revelation and Jesus' declaration as well, that Jesus is in the midst of his people. And you give a gift to Jesus by gathering, intentionally gathering where Jesus is with others of his family. Those of you who have adult children, you understand this. What greater gift could your children give to you this Christmas than to gather together with you, have the whole family together, whether it's at your place or some other place that you've designated, that everybody who may be scattered all over the country or all over the world in some of your cases would come together, even if it's for a day. What a tremendous delight that brings you. It brings our God, our Father, and Jesus the same kind of delight, maybe even more. As you give the gift of gold, by being part of the gold and lampstands, committing yourselves to being in the fellowship of his church. One more. It's not only through finances, it's not only through developing your faith, and it's not only through fellowship, but also through fruitfulness in your life. 1 Corinthians 3.12 tells us good works are likened to gold. 1 Corinthians 3 uh, tells us this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so we see that the different kinds of work that we do, some of which are considered to be as gold, by your doing things in the name of Christ, for the sake of Christ, doing good works in response to the grace that you have been given, you are giving a gift of gold. That is the fruitfulness in your life. Along with that, another aspect of fruitfulness is good words. Proverbs tells us this, Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reproof to a listening ear. So fruitfulness comes by our deeds and by our words. You can give a gift of gold to Jesus this Christmas by committing yourself to serving others around you and by being willing to speak truth and love to people both who are believers and unbelievers alike, God says these are like gifts of gold. These gifts of gold are things that Jesus will receive, Jesus will appreciate, they reflect Jesus. These are things that you and I can practically give to him. But I am aware that there are certainly some around us who are going to say, "Yeah, silver and gold have I none, my finances I don't, I don't I, I'm just getting by, if that." faith it's not strong fruitfulness my fruitfulness my good works are aren't really so much gold color as rust i just don't have anything brings us back to christmas to begin with reminder what james tells us he says you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't get because you ask with wrong motives and you spend whatever you get on, on your own pleasures. God knowing that doesn't doesn't give you things. Jesus Jesus had said through John uh, that whatever you whoever believes, whatever you ask for in his name, he will give, but he also gives certain qualifications. One thing we need to understand if we are people who realize that we are spiritually impoverished, is it we stay that way because we have not asked God. Now, I'm not talking about going and asking him to enrich you, but if you're broke or are broken, he may fix you, and things, practical concerns are real. But we do not have to give to God because we have not asked God to give to us. It sounds like an oxymoron, but again, we are God's children. And think about when your children were growing up and when they wanted to give you a Christmas gift. How many of you sent your kids out and said, well, I have a friend down at the post office who is, going to, is hiring right now. I know you're seven and a half. But you know, it's time you pull yourself up and pay your own way. Nobody does that. What happens in your household when you have young children that want to give a gift but don't have anything to give? As they come to dad, they come to mom and say, you have 20 bucks? What's it for? If it's for me, I give more. That's, uh, anyway, that's, sure, I'm generous with my children when they're going to buy it for me. But anyway, that's... Uh, And we don't think anything is inappropriate about that. It's just it is a delight as a father or as a mother to give to your child to see the delight that they have in giving. And when you and I are spiritually impoverished and we have nothing to give, we go back to the very beginning and realize we never have anything anyway other than what God gave us. So what what we're told by James and what we're told throughout the Scriptures and what we looked at last week that Paul says in 2 Corinthians when he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. We are told that the whole purpose of Christmas is that God would give to you that you might also give to him. He delights in giving. He delights in the idea that you want to give back. So if you don't have anything to give to God right now, one way you give a gift is simply by receiving. Going to God and asking and realizing that the gift of Jesus is a perfect demonstration of the heart of our God who will never deny his children things that are right. Paul says this very clearly in Romans 8 and I'm going to finish up with this. When Paul says this what shall we say to these things? If God is for us who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The issue is not how you can accumulate stuff but God will invest in you and he will enrich you that you may give back to God and your delight and God's delight become intertwined Christmas is God's initiating of the whole thing by giving, God, giving to you the gift of Christ through whom you have been enriched, to whom we must commit our lives and give gifts of gold. And when we realize that we have nothing to give, it turns us back to God in the first place where we humbly come and depend on him. And when we see his graciousness and generosity all over again, our hearts can do nothing but bow down and give thanks and rejoice at the abundant love that we have. Have only scratched the surface to understand. Give God a gift of gold this Christmas and realize how much you are enriched. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your gifts to us in Jesus. And I pray that as we consider how much we have been enriched, that our hearts would desire to respond in some way. I pray that you would bless us, that we may bless you and we may bless those who are around us. I pray, Lord, that we would not be hesitant to ask you to enrich us in spiritual wealth. That in all things, Christ has been given to us. and I pray that we would realize that your delight is in giving, even as it is in being honored. Father, we pray that during this Christmas, we would be a people who not only delight in receiving, but delight in giving back. I pray this in the name of Jesus.